this morning we're moving away from our our look in the book of Acts to partake of the Lord's Supper. So we're in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. We bring three facts about salvation. It is a common statement to hear it said no two people are exactly alike. And it would be hard to argue against that. Even in a quick glance around the room gives a strong witness to that truth. We even see sometimes identical twins with everything physically as close as possible and yet have very different personalities. Paul would be quick to, to speak of the church as the body of Christ having great diversity and different functions. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12, he says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. The word diversity has been kidnapped by the woke generation. But there's nothing wrong with the word diversity in its original usage. And in all this diversity of different personalities and other such things that we could look and see around us, in all this diversity there is a great commonality. A commonality that every single Christian, every single one, was absolutely alike at one point in their lives. Oh, one might say, to differing degrees, yet still the same. In Romans 5 and verse 6, we read, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. In Romans 5 and verse 6, we have this commonality. The same sameness expressed in three truths about who we are and what we are before God's glorious salvation comes to us. These three facts about who we were before salvation also, at the same time, show us three wonderful and beautiful aspects of the greatness of God's love to us. The three that describe us are this, without strength, while sinners, and Christ died for the ungodly in due time. So in due time is the third aspect. So we look at the first very quickly, without strength. Ability to save ourselves. The Greek word athanes means impotent, feeble, without strength. I've heard people with the flu say they, they felt weak as a kitten. When it comes to the ability to save ourselves, we are far 
weaker than the most emaciated kitten. In fact, that kitten stands like a full-grown mountain lion compared to our strength to save. It was the commentator David Brown who said, of the idea without strength, he said, with nothing between them and perdition, but that of self-originating divine compassion. That's quite a term, isn't it? Self-originating divine compassion. It means nothing in us to draw God to us. We are like Jonathan Edwards illustrated, hanging over hell, holding on to a spider web. Paul would describe it in Ephesians as being dead in sins and trespasses. Dead. Dead. A lot of people say, I cooperate with God in salvation. That's like saying, okay, you fell off the side of the ship and they threw a lifesaver out to you. You grabbed it. And they pulled you in. You cooperated in this kind of scenario. But Paul says, you're not drowning. You're dead. Dead men can't reach for lifesavers. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And if we were to turn over to Colossians, in Colossians 2, in verse 13, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Dead in sins and trespasses, spiritually dead. The prophet Ezekiel gives a very, a very graphic picture of this kind of situation, the situation of helplessness without strength. In Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 4, we read, as for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt nor swathed in swaddling clothes. No eye pitied you to do any of those things to you. To have compassion on you, 
but you were thrown out into the open field. And you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. Newborns are a picture of helplessness. They can't move. They can't clean themselves. And his picture includes not just a weak newborn, but one that was thrown out into the field. Not even hidden in the bushes. Weak and therefore exceedingly vulnerable. But God, God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, I really don't think any of us, including myself, I really don't think any of us really grasp and understand how weak spiritually we are before the Spirit of God gives us life. We, are, we have this, this pride, and most times when people argue with me about uh, God electing people, it's pride. It's pride. And come with God's sovereignty and salvation. It's pride. Wait a minute. What about, what do I do? Nothing. There's nothing to do. Nothing to add. It's the pride within us that makes us want to speak out against God choosing and, and God bringing us to life. Wait a minute, God, I wasn't dead. Yes, you were. Else he would not have said you were. He would have said, yeah, with a little bit of life you did. I kindled the little flame that you had going. But there's no language such as that. And so we, we have to realize how weak we were, particularly spiritually. And then secondly, he says in this that Christ died for whom? For the ungodly. So the second thing we realize is this, we were ungodly. And ungodly in two ways. First, to be ungodly literally means to be without God. And so Paul would tell us, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. And without God in the world, without God, ungodly in that sense, we're without God. And because we're without God, no hope. That goes back to weakness. We couldn't even generate hope because there's nothing in us to cause hope to happen. But ungodly also covers <coughs> behavior. So in Romans 5, as we drop down to verse 6, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, 
we shall be saved by his life. It's interesting to see the active and the passive in that verse. What's the active? We were enemies, <clears throat> active enemies. What's the passive? The passive is much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We're passive in that. We're saved by him, not by us. But think of that. While we were yet enemies, sinners, while we were enemies, enemies against God. If there's a, a, a position someone would hold that is amazingly, I won't say stupid, I'll say counterintelligent. <laughs> to think that you could be an enemy to God and live and prosper. The problem is we didn't even know we were enemies till it was revealed to us. And here's where we start to squirm a little bit, even begin to hear words come up in the back of our minds of self-justification that pop up. Oh, I wasn't that bad. I wasn't that bad. But so much. I was saved as a child. Fine. God be praised. And I wasn't that bad of a kid. Isn't it interesting how we use the same term for children as we do baby goats? But a baby goat is still a goat. And if God in his mercy had not saved you, the sin life that began in you into your early days would just begin to multiply over and over and over again. See, here's a, another series of verses that would get people to, to start to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not me. Well, yeah, if we turn to Titus chapter 3 and verse 3. In Titus 3 and verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Now anyone who has children knows that these traits can be shown in our children, or we showed them in our own childhood. Wait a minute. My children weren't like that. Yeah. How come children have long lists of Christmas things they want? That's a form of lust, you know. I want more. I want more. And I want the right things. And we want to give them the, the things that they desire. That's for sure. I'm not saying it's totally bad, but... What are, when a child is filling out their list, what are they thinking of? 
They're not thinking of mom and dad's checkbook. <laughs> and when people say, oh, I've got to have the latest edition of this game. Or I've got to have this particular bike or these particular kinds of clothing and, and these sort of things. The mind is stuck on itself. And it just blossoms even more as we get older. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient. Why why do we have to tell children not to run out into the road? There's There's a degree of foolishness there, isn't it? Tell a child, don't put your hand on the stove. What? They don't know any better. Foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasure, living in malice, envy, hateful, and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. You see, this is something that brings us then to the third, that in due time, in due time, the same wording we see in Galatians 4 and verse 4, when the fullness of time had come. This is a thing that's different about every one of us, but at the same time, it's the same. Something that's the same in all of us. You see, some are saved in childhood, and some are saved in their teen years, and some are saved in their adulthood, and some are saved in their old age. Yet all of them are saved in due time. That is, according to the time or season. In the time God had set, as we read in Titus chapter 3 and verse 4, when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. It's not just one time. It's every single time that someone comes to Christ. The kindness and love of our God appears. And we are saved from wrath. Wrath doesn't save. We are saved from wrath. How? By love. By the love of God. And it happens at the time, the appointed time. For so long, Christ's death means nothing to so many. But then all of a sudden, it does mean something. Why should you, why should I let you into my kingdom? That question, well, the answer could be because Christ died for the ungodly, of which I am one. When did the knowledge of that come to you? Well, it came at the appointed time, a time most fitting under God to take place. I said, well, wait a minute. How does that work? Well, just ask yourself a question. If you were saved at nine, nine years of age, why weren't you saved at eight? Same person, same mentality. Or if you were saved at age 29, why not age 28? It was at the appointed time that we were saved. 
For everything, there's a season and a purpose under heaven. For of him and through him and to him are all things. All things. And that includes salvation. Of him and through him and to him are all things. How? To whom be glory forever. Today, you're going to know more than you do now. And you're actually going to know more about your former self than you do now. And it's going to lead to eternity of praise. To whom be glory forever. <clears throat> so before us, the Lord's table. What do these elements represent before us today? The love of God outpoured to sinners. Hope for the hopeless. Help for the helpless. Love for the unlovable. Righteousness for the unrighteous. Reminder of God's perfect timing. And so, as we come to the table under the command of Christ, where he says, this do in remembrance of me. Not in remembrance of anything you've done. In remembrance of him. Let's stand together for prayer. <clears throat>